0: It's Friday, so it's time for the Weekly Wrap, and this week I'm speaking to JC Lowe. Now JC, this is your chance to tell me where you're from, because maybe a year ago, we had an association with ShareNet.co.za, and you kindly put my podcast up on your front page. You're still ShareNet, but not ShareNet.co.za, and the two uh, companies that you're going to describe now have parted ways, but still share a name. It's very complicated for a brain like mine. Please tell me. By the way, this is JC Lowe, prettier and less successful brother scout clue to whom I speak twice a week. JC, le- 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 JC le- over to you.
1: Certainly better looking. Um, but with the Corona do I'm not that sure. Um, yes, Lindsay, about a year ago, uh, we we, um, we unbundled from the Shedded Group, very yeah. similar to what 91 and Investec did. Right.
0: Um,
1: Shedded Investments, is the Category 2 or the, uh, we'll call it the product managers. So you've got a share portfolio and you want someone to manage it for you, we'll do it. Um, where ShareNet group is is obviously more focused on website, website traffic, online execution. I mean, it's an awesome website, awesome content. Um, And by spinning out of the group, we can now still produce product for someone like ShareNet, but also for other independent um, people looking for it. So if you're a typical advisor, you've got a client book of, say, 200 clients, and he's got shares with with Sunlam or PSG or whoever, um, they'll typically knock on our door and say, can you look at it? Can you give us a proposal? And can you maybe manage our clients' funds? So you're an asset that, manager,
0: in other words. You're an asset manager. Correct,
1: yeah. And I think that the, the fancy jargon or term that they they, they they out there is always, um, it's a DFM or discretionary fund manager. And many IFAs will use a DFM to do their wrap portfolios. That's just you put a structured portfolio or, or a model portfolio down of you use um, various ballast funds or various building blocks. But in this instance, we'll be a DFM purely for share portfolios. So it's an add-on to, to people like Portfolio Metrics, Might and Optimal, uh, Portfolio Analytics. All the established DFMs out there will just complement them and say, if you've got shared portfolios, we'll do it for you. So it's a, it's a very focused product, um, and I'm enjoying it.
0: Very good. You sound as though you are as well. And all I can say is that in the future, when you're conducting an interview or speaking to a potential client, especially someone who isn't in the financial services industry, just lose the acronyms. Uh, For example, you've said things like IFA, DFM and RAP in the last um, 37 seconds. People don't know what they are. People really don't know what they are, JC, but that's not why we're here now. I'm here now with you because you sent me a fascinating table, and I'm just trying to get it up now. But you can maybe – you know the one I'm referring to. Please, can you describe what you sent me?
1: We do – a because we don't do advisory portfolios, um, so you, you can't call in and say, should I buy Anglos? Um, we try and sort of avoid um, that that approach, and we try and offer – the information before you have to call. So, if you follow us on Twitter or on Facebook or on our website, you'll notice that we put out sort of weekly content. That we use typically data from someone like ShareNet, uh, the portal giving us the data, or Bloomberg or Reuters, those information vendors. Yes. And we'll we'll construct a portfolio or a sheet, like in this instance, and we'll just go and rank how many buys or how many sells and. To get to that answer, you will purely look at something like a relative strength indicator or a stochastics, which is just momentum movers in the market. So if the share is overbought, for example, um, it'll show it's got an RSI of, say, 65 or 75 or 85. It's, it's between 1 and 100. So the higher the RSI, the, the call it the more aggressive they bought the share. So the higher the rating, the more the chance of being overbought and vice versa. So then what we do is we just pull all the SA shares or all the global shares. We're using the S&P 100, for example, and we'll rank the RSI. So anything less than a 35, we consider as being oversold. And anything above, say, a 65 or a 75, we consider overbought, which means you should probably start taking profits or you should start accumulating, whether it's at the top or the bottom. Yeah. And the one we sent out this morning, because we sent it out on a weekly basis, it's quite nice to see the pattern building. And in March, we saw zero sales and like 80 buys. And that's really lopsided. You normally get sort of a, a, an equal tilt. There are equal number of buys. Well, that almost because- sounds
0: unprecedented. I mean, historically it, or it recently, is, yeah. uh, in recent history, I've never heard of, <laughs> certainly in a South African context, 80% of the trades being buys. Yep.
1: And, Lindsay, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, if you follow, again, we, we put out a lot of content on on Twitter, so if you are on Twitter, please follow us on, on at Invest. Um We've looked at it and said, listen, the fundamentals at the moment, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> at the moment, people are buying momentum until the fundamentals matter again. And it's, it's crazy to say it, but there's just so much money being flooded into this market. And you get clients calling and say, listen, I've got, I've got money in the bank, but I'm getting 3.5% with my bank. Where do I put it? Well, let, let's assume the bank starts paying dividends again. So, Stanabank and First Rand and all these guys, they, they are somewhere between a 5 and a 10% foreign dividend yield. They're not paying at the moment because they're preserving cash. But let's say normalized, 12, 18 months from now. If you can earn between 5 and 10% on an SA blue chip bank, yeah. or you can get 3.5% on your money in the bank, people are going to take their money out of the bank and buy dividend yields, and wait for the capital appreciation. So that money is flooding into the market and the market's just being supported. It's like a casino roulette wheel or dice or something. It's just it's rigged. It's going to be 51% in your favor the whole time because you know there's more money being flooded in. If there are equal buyers, equal sellers, it's going to be a market. If there are more buyers than sellers, it's going to go up. And it's going to go up until people stop pumping money into this market. So Secretaries and taxi drivers are buying this market and it's going to go up even
0: higher. You sound to me as though you're talking a a scenario that was uh, prevalent in the late 1920s in the United States of America where everyone was speculating, everyone was opening accounts, everyone was listening to the enormous amount of information that you can get from television, from radio, from podcasts in particular these days, and from magazines, whether it be the Financial Mail or Daily Maverick, whatever it is. The point is Mm. that people are listening to for example, this podcast and saying, he makes a lot of sense. Let me do what he's just described with a certain proportion of the money that I've got at one of the major banks. It's going to perpetuate the legend.
1: You know what, Lindsay, there's there's another thing. It's not my original thought. I saw it on on Bloomberg TV the other day. Now, the intent of all the stimulus is to connect or to disconnect, sorry, the economy from the market. So if you're going to look at the, the jobs numbers, I mean, yesterday's initial jobless claims in the US, we've only seen two, out of 12 weeks. So, the past 12 weeks, only two beat estimates. So, they'll they'll estimate that there's going to be 5 million people out of a job, and there'll actually be 5.5 million people out of a job. So, we, we, we're guessing it wrong at the moment, even if we're guessing. So, it has got a negative slant. Now, every time we see a negative news hit the ticker, you've got the market swinging to it. So, the intent is to put stimulus in the market, put liquidity in the market, and make sure the market doesn't overreact to bad news. And the, I think they're succeeding absolutely 10 out of 10. So put more money in, make sure the market doesn't react to bad news until it it calms down again. And what that's what what's happened is now you've got I don't know, the whole world staying at home. So all your sports betters, all your all your gamblers out there, no one can actually put their risk money to work. So what do you do? Well, you download an account, you open a, I don't know, ID account, a Saxo account, whatever you need, and you start speculating in the market. So the risk capital has come in. It's in offshore markets. It's almost zero rate to borrow, so you can take an interest-free loan to speculate in the market. And then you've gone. Uh, I mean, US operators have gone and, and cut brokerage rates down to zero. So it's free to trade, free to borrow money, and there's just more of it. And everyone tells you it's safe to go in there because there's billions and trillions of standards. St- you're st- you're, st- you're, st- you're st- making st- me so nervous
0: <laughs> ahead of the weekend, uh, JC. You're making me so nervous. I spoke to Travis Robson, the head of uh, IG Markets in South Africa yep. yesterday. This is a company that I've known since uh, the late 1980s. In London, that is, and then now in South Africa. And uh, Travis has been in the financial services industry for a long time. He's now with IG Markets. And what I said to him, are people opening up accounts? Do you think it's influencing the market? And he was reticent to say that. And I think that um, maybe in the United States... This, this, this could be the case. In South Africa, not so much. It seems to me that somebody has come in from, the, you know, from overseas, uh, some emerging market desk or desks have come in and said, South Africa is so cheap and mm. the RAND is going to be so strong because of the rebounding commodities, because of the rebound in the world economy, then we've got to get into it. So I think there is a small factor of the retail speculation Market, but uh, otherwise, nah, I'm not so sure. But I do see what you're saying. But sport is I back now, so what are you saying? That when um, I think there's there's horse racing back in the United Kingdom, so Paddy Power will be doing well, and maybe some financial <laughs> accounts will be closed. Uh, football in the UK starts on June the 17th. I think the NBA and the NFL are opening again. So if there is Absolutely. a correlation is between the lack of sport and the reemergence of sport, then the market is due for a sell-off.
1: Probably, and that's why you can see today again. It's again uh, a value versus momentum tilt. You've got shares that does not make sense. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got trading updates that, that says we have uh, retained 80% of our clients. Well, that means you've lost 20% of your clients. Mm. That's that's not great. I mean, your rating is still the same. So you've got really bad fundamental news at the moment. Yet people are saying. It's not It's also not necessarily new money. If you think about it, if you've made one hundred or two hundred percent in your Amazon position or you've bought, you've bought and hold, held NASPAS and you've made fifty or hundred percent, you can take some of that money and stick it into imperial and uh, motors and some telecoms and some retailers, you can actually go and buy the stocks that's really cheap, but you also know it might take six or twelve months to recover from you, but at least' it's, it's in the low range. So the risk is relatively low. there's a lot of market up and money coming to the market. Happy to wait, dividends will start uh, flowing again soon and um, yeah, so it's not a bad time to buy. but yeah, I can't help to be skeptic when, when, you, when you push a market this far and this this wide and you've got a table that gives you thirty sells and zero buys um, and i'm being I'm being kind on the <laughs> on the sell ratings um it tell us about that
0: uh, give us your top three cells according to your statistical analysis and you can be brutal <laughs> no one will hold it against you your top three sells and your top three buys given that table that i'm going to publish later on on StrictlyBusinessPodcast.com. but anyway go ahead top three bottom three please it's,
1: you know it's a, it gives you a at the moment it gives you a top for example um it doesn't always make sense you, you can't take things from from um, just from having a quick look at it, because at the moment, the top one is Rand Merchant Bank or RMI. Yeah. And it's just been unbundled and it's been all corporate actions and whatever involved. So, so forget often, that
0: one.
1: Yeah. So often you need to, you need to put some, some back knowledge to what you see on the table. Um, but at the moment, you can see things like Sasol, for example, quite high up in the top five. You've got Kumba iron ore, you've got African rainbow minerals. You've got, obviously the, the, the iron ore price has been really strong, just short of $100 at the moment. But so is the rand. Ben. I mean, the rand has just—it's it's, been—it's been power. It's gone from what 19. It's now today it touched 16.75. It's what 16.90. Mm-hmm. So below 17, it's considered strong. It's probably going to go stronger because of our bond yields and uh, etc. cetera, et cetera As the economists. But in there, there's um, Aspen, there's Sasol, there's Kumba, there's African rubber Minerals, and then you've got Xara. So it gives you a clear picture that the call of the iron ore, coal. Um, basic materials. You've also seen today that the precious metals or the single metals, let's say platinums and golds, are out of favor and the diversifiers are in favor. You've seen value-type stocks. I mean, Richmond, you've got Hong Kong in chaos. You've got riots across the U.S. You've got consumer spending dropping. You've got stronger RAN, yet Richmond's going up. So some of these, I mean, Imperial is up 10% today. Um, there's, There's no real explanation but money flows and then a technical indicator or uh, i mean i'm not a technical analyst but looking at head and shoulders and bare wedges and bull wedges and those kind of things it actually makes sense because it's price movement now it's not it's not fundamentals that matter so the table like this is quite useful it is really basic everyone can understand it we just as i said it's just the rsi and a stochastic Um, we take an average of the two but we also just, um, on the far right column, you'll see what the, the Bloomberg analyst consensus estimate is for the next 12 months. And that's just if there are 20 analysts covering the stock, they'll put their target and we'll take the average price target and just say what's the expected return.
0: Before I put so, it up on my site mm. and before we put it up on a site that will be hosting my site next week as well, which I'll tell you about next week, um, I want to know, have you stress tested this? Is it just um, almost like a hydroxychloroquine <laughs> uh, analysis has only got to a sample of 10 people have you had a look at it and said actually you know what over the last six months or a year it's it's worked 80 percent of the time tell me
1: fortunately the um let's say a 14-day rsi is an industry standard um i don't have to test that um, too, too too rigorously um it's it's largely accepted that and a stochastic is probably as basic as you can go for um in an indicator whether it's overbought or oversold you can you can try and be fancier i mean there's I mean, if you use a Bloomberg terminal like we do, it's, you, can, you can put an indicator on there, you can put derivatives of indicators on there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident and happy with the, the stochastic and RSI. And especially if you remember. Certain no, before you go are more on, volatile. JC, I, I just have to interrupt
0: mm. you. You're talking to a simpleton here. I want mm. to know is, have you constructed an imaginary hedge fund, for example? Uh, that says right. We got these indicators now, so I'm going short these stocks and long these stocks and test it over a year or, or however many months you've been implementing this particular analysis.
1: No, we haven't. Is the short answer. You should do. Um, I uh, wouldn't mind doing it. the um, The reason why we haven't done it is is not it's not our. It's obviously not the goal for the portfolios. We don't do um, short-term trading. But if you want to implement a portfolio, new money, do you phase in or not? Um, what does the market tilt or slant look like? I mean, is it overbought or oversold? Then you want to maybe wait for a phase in, et cetera. So we almost look at this and, and sort of blur your eyes like those 3D pictures to see if you, you can see a picture within a picture mm. and whether it's value being bought or momentum being bought or singles or diversified, etc. cetera. Um, so it's quite useful for us. And we thought, listen, it's, it's out there. And if you do have comments, anyone who looks at it and says, listen, can't you include a i don't know this exotic we probably can and if it then we'll test it and say does it make sense and then we'll do
0: okay just in my opinion is um even if you don't publish it start personally a, a fictitious mm. uh, hedge fund whether it's short term medium term long term whatever it is you're clever and you've got you've got lots of people you know, crunching the numbers just do that um let's talk about the, the, the week now we've talked statistically. And I want to throw a few at you now. It says here, the past three months have been financially painful for many Americans, but not for billionaires. US billionaires have become $565 billion richer since March the 18th, according to a report published on Thursday by the Institute for Policy Studies, which is a progressive, it says here, think Tank, total wealth of billionaires now stands at 3.5 trillion US dollars, up 19% from the low point near the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Amazon boss Jeff Bezos alone is worth 36.2 billion more than he was on March the 18th. And since that happened to him, 43 million Americans have filed for initial unemployment benefits. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. Nothing changes, JC. Uh, Agreed. The genie is king. Genie
1: confessions is just being spread.
0: Okay. It,
1: it's it's and also if you look at the the year-to-date returns, um, if you look at the year-to-date returns on and in the U.S. markets, for example, you've got the Dow down eight percent, you've got uh, S and P down four percent, but you've got the Nasdaq up seven percent, hmm. and um, that that's your clue. So if you Zuckerberg or if it sounds like Uckerberg or Ezos or or somewhere along those lines, those guys are are, are a lot wealthier. I we've got portfolios which in Q4 last year, the markets were considered whew, stretched. You've got a 24, 25 forward p on these guys. And and you look at it and say, is there value? No, no, maybe we should hold off. And that's probably the worst mistake you could have made because portfolios coming in late last year will be up 10, 15%. That's through the pandemic. That's It's just mind-boggling. So it just shows you that, you can look at fundamentals but when the money flows like it is at the moment it's just it's it's just happy hour being fired at all yeah
0: i don't begrudge these uh these billionaires well there's one i do begrudge but um there's i don't begrudge them that they're worth they've been clever yeah but is um, he a billionaire though mm, no of course mm-hmm. he's not you know that i know that <laughs> he just he's just denying moving it. on yeah moving on this uh, week has this been quite extraordinary topic. we have we've spoken about stats and we've spoken about billionaires in the United States yeah. but we haven't spoken about specific moves when you and I used to work together at an asset manager in Cape Town if we'd had seen moves like this on a daily basis we would have probably had to lie down in a compression tank or something uh, to decompress because it, it's been almost unfathomable
1: Lindsay, the biggest risk at the moment, and, and, and listen to this statement because it's, that, that's where we are. My biggest risk is a client invests a new portfolio. And I go and say, hmm, this market is overbought or it's, it's run so hard, let's just wait a bit. And it goes further. And yeah. it goes up and up and up. So at the moment, as a fund manager, I can't afford to keep a client in cash because if the market goes up, he comes back and said, I want it to be in equity and look, the market is up or my peers are up. If I invest the market drops you want it to be an equity and equity drop see and all your peers drop so the risk is also tilted for fund managers it's tilted in in favor of just invest immediately and that that, that again it's it's all going swimmingly until it doesn't
0: so it's the FOMO factor. In other words, you can't, if, if, yeah. if I suddenly win the lottery and I give you 20 million, you're going to, I'm going to say, oh, gosh, look at the market yesterday. You missed out. We were 1.8% higher. And then the next day it was up another 0.8%. And you're saying, well, it doesn't quite make sense. So, well, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. So you say, yeah, okay, let's put half your money in now. So 10 million goes in and suddenly it falls 10% over the next two weeks. You've got, you're in a lose lose situation during these times, I have to say.
1: That's that's proof we work together, because I was about to say, take half, put it in immediately and play with the balance. Mm. Um, You you cannot afford to be out of this market. Um, It's not because of the value, because it's got serious momentum behind it, so you can't afford to be out of it for your clients. Um, And It it makes it difficult, it makes you cynical, and it makes the the cartoons we post um, sometimes quite funny, but... Unfortunately, that's, that's the market we operate in. And it's, um, it's good for asset values. It's good for the asset managers. Um, managing assets, you earn an income off the, the assets under management. So you won't see the fund managers complain. But sometimes it's just bizarre sitting in front of a screen having to say, okay, fine, let's buy more. And it, it doesn't feel right.
0: Mm. If, for example, you'd seen a share that was 22 Rand per share and had gone up to um, 135 Rand and 22 cents <laughs> as I look at my screen – how can you possibly justify someone uh, giving you money and them saying, I really like Sassel at the moment. You're just saying, mm-hmm. but it's gone up more than six times in four weeks. It's unjustifiable. I mean, in, in our mindset from working together in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. whenever it was.
1: I got Sassel I wrong completely. So I'll be honest with that. It's whenever she says we are looking at a rights offer and, the first biggest mistake they can make is they don't set a level. So if you don't say we're going to do a rights offer at 100, the rights offer can be at 80 or 60 or 40, and there's always going to be a discount to the spot. So where the share trades, if you want to offer rights, it's got to be at a discount to where it trades. Otherwise, it's not attractive to buy. So if you don't put a level, they'll, they'll pull that thing lower. And that's, that's my opinion what happened. Sassel said we need some serious balance sheet um, strength. We need to do a rights offer or sell some assets, but we're not going to sell assets at uh, at ridiculous pricing. So we need fair value for it. Now, who's going to buy fair value assets when the market is flooded with oil and no one wants an oil rig? Well, okay, so that option is not there. So a rights offer was the only one. And not having a price, and let's say you've got the share trading at 100, the rights offer will have to be at, say, 80. So it's attractive enough for everyone to put more money into a dog. I'm sorry, uh, into Sassel. Mm-hmm. And... um then you've got, but if the share drops to 80 and you still haven't said it's 100 to 80, it can be 60 to 80, for example. So the share will go lower and lower and lower until they strike a level. And they didn't ever strike a level, so the rights offer pulled this thing down. And suddenly the oil price starts going up and they said they will be selling some assets, which they haven't sold yet, and the oil price has recovered somewhat, but the share has just gone ballistic. Like you said, it's gone six times. Mm. And the rights offer is now less likely... I know Wayne McCurry tweeted yesterday as well saying it's, it's less likely, but it's still a possibility. And for me to go and buy a share, that the minute they, they put that sense out and say there's going to be a rights offer, you stand a chance to lose 15 or 20% because it's going to go to the rights price shortly after. I don't like buying a share that could potentially go down 20% the minute uh, the next news clip is available. So I, I've been avoiding this thing and I've I'm unfortunately been out of it because it's been a very good share to hold.
0: We're on shaky ground at the moment, aren't we? I mean, the fact that we're talking – if you listen to this podcast, and I'll l- listen to it later as well, I can i can sense that even you, as a, a young investment professional, and with a, a good deal of experience behind you, you've got the unique combination of youth and experience. There is something in your voice that tells me that you're scared about something.
1: I'm cynical about this market. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah – Listen, I'm Afrikaans. We, we, we're we not scared of anything. <laughs> but um, yeah. this, this market is, is, is a tough one because if you look at this market, there are shares that are that down somewhere between 20 and 50% year-to-date. So you look at a, a screen or a watch list and you put the, the column year-to-date return. If you were asleep for the past few months and you just arrived back to your screen, you will probably be buying. Because these shares are low. I mean, Standard Bank is down 30%, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So these, these things you want to pick up, yes. But it's just we haven't seen the start of the, the, the bad debts coming through. We've, we've seen all the banks telling us we're going to be down by 20% in sense announcement, trading updates. But the JSC states the minute you know you're going to be 20% or more, you need to tell the market. So if you think you're going to be down 60%, you are still going to say we're going to be down 20% or more. So the market is not even close to knowing exactly what lies ahead. Um, bad debts, uh, defaults on your, your flats, your offices, your cars. Uh, we saw in 2008-9, we saw so many repos, so many banks repossessing cars, that later on it was, was just silly time to give away, I mean, what's the bond in the car? That's what we need for the car, just please buy it. Um, we haven't seen any of that bad news yet. We've seen restaurants, we've seen shops, we've seen hairdressers, uh, laundromats, all these things. Many of them won't open up again. So the economies worldwide are going to be hit quite hard. This yes, has been a point a of, of mine over the
0: last uh, a couple of weeks, anecdotal evidence of walking around a city, a major European city, and seeing boards that are not going to be taken down and Correct. seeing res- restaurants and bars that were open before. I'd say that around about 35 to 40 percent of businesses that have closed down in the last three months will not reopen and that means that 35 to 40% of the people that have filed for unemployment will continue to file for unemployment.
1: Here's a, here's a very, very easy, practical um, example. Um, I'm going to use uh, any, any life company. So I'm just going to pick Sanlum, which my dad used to be um, employed by Sunlum. Yes. Anyways, so Sunlum has got regional offices and a main office. It's got this huge building in, in Belleville, Cape Town, or whatever, and it can stack 4,000 people they realized with Zoom and cloud and everything, half of them only needs to be in the office. The other half is now at home. So why would you have a regional office just 20 uh, Ks away and um, r- rather consolidate everyone? So close that little office, consolidate to the main office and save some costs. Great. Well, that little strip mall that used to have a Sunlam office with some legs in it, had a, um, a coffee shop next to it, had a hairdresser's next to it, had a phone repair's next to it. All those little shops are going to lose the traffic because why the employment structure has changed a lot of us can work from home now we realize that so the adoption of technology at the moment is ridiculous now that everyone knows how to work a zoom or or a cloud or a dropbox or something it's done so returning to office is going to be slow so offices being closed means any support structure around the office is closed Those support structures are second jobs or the wives or the husbands opening a shop with his retrenchment money, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, watering holes, bars, restaurants, they're just not going to open because if you're going to only allow 30%, you, you, you need the 18 drinkers in there. So you need a guy. We've all seen the joke. You need the guy who can drink for three people when he's in there.
0: Yes, yes, I saw that. um, that, The border. I mean, I I mean, you you and I have been out for many, many drinks together, and we like going to bars and we like chatting to the waiting staff and you know just generally mucking about and seeing who's coming in and out. I've got the opportunity to do that in the Netherlands at the moment, but Mm. I don't do it. I don't know. It's just it's a little bit too sanitised. You can't go to the bar. You have to stay two meters meters away. It's destroyed the fabric of, of society, and I know. It's a very frivolous example. But if you expand that to more serious matters, then, of course, nothing's going to be Absolutely. the same again ever.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's where I come back and said right, so if you want to close down um, restaurants or banks or branches or property companies, if you look at a 30% or 40% markdown in the share price year-to-date, and that's, that's arguably from quite high levels. So we are down, yes. But should we not be down this much? Because we know all the banks have said we're going to be at least 20% down. When we've seen the numbers where it's something like between 50 and 60 days, loss of revenue means you're full profit for the annum. Um, it's when you show no profits for this year. I remember when this pandemic started, people said, listen, you've got to write off Q2 because Q2 is just going to be dead. Uh, the second quarter with all the shops closed, don't look at it. Look at the second half. Now they've written off the second half. They now said you should look at 2021. They're now going late 2021. We saw the ECB pushing their, their free money, more free money into the market until June 2021. So this is a protracted, this is a long play. This is a long recovery. You, the, I don't know, fishhook I've seen come in yesterday as well. It, it's going to take a lot longer. That's the point. Mm. And a lot longer means less revenue, less profits, and valuations got to come down. So, but... There are obviously businesses. Like we've all seen Zoom. I mean they share in the US. Yes. I was fortunately quite early on it. But um, that all thing time. is done phenomenally well. Amazon's done very well because I mean they're actually employing people. So Mr. Delivery Local, Naspar, these kind of companies that businesses that's capable of doing business online, they're gonna take the other kids lunch. So you need to be able to filter out who those companies are.
0: JC, in 45 minutes' time, the U.S. unemployment data will be released, but it's already factored into the market, mm. and uh, therefore it will do absolutely nothing. If it's a, a good number, the market will go up. If it's a bad number, the market will go up because that is the mood that the market is in. How do we get in touch with you at ShareNet Investments?
1: You can go to our website. It's just sharenetinvestments.co.uk or on Facebook on Twitter. Um, our handles are, are pretty clear. Um, yeah, so that's the easiest way to get all of us. And typically, as I said, our clientele is, is typically the the advisor, the IFA or Independent Financial Advisor. Those guys call us and say, I've got client X, Y, Z. This is the risk profile. This is what I want. Can you help me out? And then we do almost like a product for his clients.
0: Good. In that case, very good luck with that. Um, good luck with yeah. the business. I think that uh, more as uh, things become more and more volatile and more and more uncertain, then uh, good advice is at a premium J.C. Lowe is from ShareNet Investments, and that was the weekly wrap. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position,